Five minutes well spent, right? Golly. Some of y'all are like, I've done that before. I didn't get hurt. It's not a big deal. Um, hey, if you have not been here the last couple weeks, uh, we're, we're ending a series called uh, Wise Choices. And we've, we've started it every week with just a kind of example of foolish choices. And some of them are, you know, just unavoidable. Some of them are, are sad. And some of them you're, you're looking at it and you're like, that was just plain stupid or plain foolish. So we've been talking a little bit about what all that looks like. And uh, let me just recap real quick. Week one, we talked out of Proverbs chapter one about how true wisdom comes only from true wisdom comes only from God, right? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay. And then last week we talked about using our time wisely. Um, in fact, if we can go ahead and put the theme verse up real quick, this will kind of help me. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That was week one. And then week two was making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So if you remember last week, we had some marbles up on the stage. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about how um, those marbles represent our life and how you take one of those marbles out and that's one less week you have until graduation. So seniors... Now you're down to like 15. Am, am I right, by the way? Did I calculate that right? Is it, is it 15 weeks? Uh, okay, you get earlier. All right, that'll work. Okay, so a little more important for you. You're 14. But everyone in here, you may not have a jar with some marbles in it, but did, it, did anyone just maybe go home thinking about that? Like maybe Monday morning, you're like, one marble just got taken out of the jar. All right. So I didn't think at all. Um, so, so yeah, like we just, we just have an understanding that our time here on earth is limited. And, um, and so it's important for us to remember that. So we're talking this week about kind of finishing the verse off. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay. Now here's what's interesting. If you were here for um, the series that we did just a couple weeks ago called... How does God speak to us? Who was here for that series? And who was here when we had the big window, right? You saw that, okay? Now, you should be able to answer that question, okay? So to be able to understand what the will of the Lord is, you should have a little bit of a head start. So let me go ahead and recap um, that because that will play into what we're gonna say tonight. First of all, I'm just gonna ask if anyone remembers anything that was written on the windows. John, John Mark. Just one of them. Just one of the phrases. You said the word of God. That was the bottom. That was the bottom and the most important. Remember, because the word of God slid over. What, what did the top three say? Anyone remember just one of them? Abby. Influence of, Influence of others. Is that because you took notes? Yes. And you're not cheating. You're being resourceful. So is that because you took notes? Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. That's, that's a huge win. That's a huge win in my book that you can look back. Caitlin, what's the other one? Live situations. There's one more. Let me get someone else. Anyone remember? Influence of others, life situations, and leading of the spirit. She went ahead and jumped out there. Leading of the spirit. Those three things are encapsulated by or are seen through the lens of the word of God. And so it's important that we understand that, that that's how sometimes God speaks to us. Maybe it's through the influence of others, a friend or a parent or a teacher or a counselor or a youth pastor maybe. Um, or <laughs> maybe not. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry to be so offensive. Um, 
And, and so that's how God speaks to us. Maybe that's how God's word is communicated to us. Um, we actually, uh, two weeks ago, kind of going back to that, we said that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In fact, in chapter 2 of Proverbs, if you go, it says, if you cry out for wisdom, if you call out for her, if you go after her, if you seek her at like silver, then what? Then you'll know what the will of the Lord is. Then you'll get wisdom. Then you'll get understanding. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's huge to us because what we know now is that we can seek those things. We can get, you don't have to be a foolish person is what the Bible is saying. And so some of you, um, a fool would, would describe you not because you're stupid, but because you choose not to pursue wisdom. Right? I'm not saying anyone in here. I'm just saying if you want wisdom, the Bible says that it is freely available. In chapter, uh, in, in chapter 1 of James, it says if you lack wisdom, ask God for wisdom because he gives it plentifully, right? Without reserve. But you have to ask with, what did it say? Faith. You have to ask with faith, okay? So, so if you're not a note taker, start taking, taking some notes because this is probably the most impactful sermon um, that, that was given to me when I was a teenager. In fact, when I was a teenager, when I was your age, no joke, I started asking God for wisdom as often as possible. And I'm not saying that he's come through on that, you know, like in abundance. I'm just saying he promised to do it, and I believe he did it. I believe there are situations where I could have uh, gone the wise route or the foolish route, and I believe that maybe I went the wise route, not because I'm awesome, right? And, and you took a wise decision rather than a foolish decision, not because you're awesome. It's because God gave you wisdom if you prayed for it, Right? If you believe that God is going to implant you with wisdom, right? If in your mind and your heart, he is going to give you a heart of wisdom and a mind of wisdom and believe it. Like he'll give it to you. Don't be surprised when you start to see things differently. Okay. So we're going to talk about the rest of that tonight. Um, and uh, I want to actually show you guys an example um, there because here's the thing. I think that Maybe some of you don't understand exactly how this will play out. So we're going to be talking specifically um, maybe about temptations as they come along. So temptations uh, specifically to sins, temptations to do something you know is wrong, temptations to do something that may not be like wrong or illegal, but you know will hurt you or won't benefit you. And so we're going to watch an example, a real life serious example um, on the screen here in just a second that maybe will provide some clarity. So why don't you go ahead and roll that. There are exact phrases lifted from Stephanie's paper into yours. You want to explain why? Yeah. 
I'll pick you up then. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you in an hour. Guess what? My midterm is done. No thanks to you. I was waiting up for you at the library. Where were you? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I was studying at the cafe. It's three? Did I miss class? Why didn't you wake me up? I came straight from the library, sorry. <sighs> and by the way, we have to turn in our midterms tomorrow. Yeah, you know that hurricane in Florida, Josephine? Well, our professor's grandma is out there and no one else can go help, so she has to go move her out. I gotta get started. The whole thing has to be done tomorrow. I is that Dylan Tucker's hoodie? Here, don't forget your glasses. You'll need them. I'm sure you'll be able to pull your paper together. Are you crying? If I flunk, my dad's gonna freak. Steph, I'm totally in trouble. I've just been messing around. Look, I understand. I want to get into med school more than anything, too. Take my paper and use it as a guide. I better get to work. Better late than never. That was a pretty good movie, you know? <laughs> good movie, good movie. I've got a big pathophysiology midterm to get to work on. I better go. Wait, hey, hey, I... But I haven't given you my surprise yet. Well, what is it? Ah, uh, okay. Two tickets to the Fire Four Effect show tomorrow night at the arena downtown. Really? So, <laughs> now do you want to stay? Only if you can explain MLA formatting to me. Sorry. I would be a fool to let you leave here without a goodnight kiss. Wow. I'd be a fool if I didn't finish the biggest paper of my college career. Well, just get it done, <laughs> you know? And my grandma always says, get the hardest stuff done first. <laughs> Look, just, just don't make any plans for tomorrow night, okay? Okay? Here's what's gonna happen. Tomorrow afternoon, you'll be in my office at 1 p.m. Your professor? And the other deans, along with your mother, will be there. I'm gonna have to expel you. I don't care. I never wanted to go to med school, Dad. That was your dream, not mine. Hey, are you here? Oh, hi, Dr. Cantu. Hi, Stephanie. Actually, I'm gonna need to see you tomorrow as well. Evelyn can explain why.
<clears throat> okay, so, so you've got this example in front of you, and it's not the only example. In fact, some of you probably have examples in your life popping up in your head, but um, think of all the things that went wrong in that story. So she ends up expelled. Um, whether or not it's truthful that it's her dream or not, um, the fact that she got expelled in that situation is, is terrible for her future. And, and it is not, it's not a, a world ender, it's not a deal breaker for her future, but, but it's gonna put pause on things. It's gonna, it's gonna be a wreck on her resume and all this kind of stuff because everything that you are involved in and the decisions that you make right now show up in your future. All of that shows up in your future. And so there's no avoiding it. There's no um, hiding it in a closet. It, it all shows up later. And so think of all the things that went wrong. I mean, the obvious thing is that she had the opportunity to work on the paper and she went to the party instead, right? And then she had another opportunity to work on the paper. Um, and then she hung out and watched a movie with, with the boyfriend. And, and think about this. Like, how many of you... Um, and this is going to get really um, kind of touchy because some of you are wrestling with, with the things that, like, the Bible doesn't talk about but you know is wrong. Um, like, let's take, um, let's take pirating music, for example, okay? Um, some of y'all would love to say the Bible has nothing to say about pirating music. Um, there's nothing. They make enough money anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and download whatever I want for free. Um, do you think the Bible has something to say about that? It may not say pirating music, but what does it say? Stealing. Stealing? What else does it say? Being above reproach. It talks about having character, right? It talks about um, just being faithful to God, doing your work or living or whatever you do it as to the Lord, okay? So um, if you think it's, it's justifiable for you to steal, even though like the Bible doesn't say anywhere like don't pirate music um, or whatever you wanna call it, don't download it illegally. Um, if you wanna work around that, that's between you and God. But think about this way. Um, was it wise for her to accept that little thumb drive with the paper on it? How many of you were kind of like, that was, that was a nice friend, right? Like kind of gave her an example and, and maybe it was, it was good. And that, and that chick had no clue that she was just going to take the paper and scratch her name out, right? And, and put her own name on and turn it in, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Because nowadays, I, let me just go ahead and tell you, if you don't know, there is software that detects that right? Do, do we understand that? It's not like the teachers are trying to figure out, oh, okay, they copied off each other. Like, I have a friend who's a college professor at this point. I don't know about middle school. I don't know about high school. I, I was a teacher for a while, and, and, and I, I could even see it with my own eyes sometimes where someone would copy because the wording was just like, you would never say those words. You copied off the smartest person in the room, and you're the dumbest person in the room. You don't even know what that word means. I would never say that, even though I just did. No, I just did. And I'm kidding. But the truth is, I have, a, I have a college professor friend, and they have software that they, they put this paper, because you turn it in electronically at this point, they run it through that filter. And my friend said, someone turned in a paper that was 99% stolen from somebody. 99%. I think they changed up some punctuation, right? And they might have said, hi, my name is blank and that was the only original part of the paper you know and he had to give him a you know an f like at what point is that wise 
First of all, Christians should be above reproach. And Christians don't want to be held to the higher standard, even though God did so much, reached so far, gave up everything to save us. We, don't we do this, guys? We get saved, and then all of a sudden we're like, well, it's all about grace. I mean, I don't have to work to get into heaven. And you know what I would say to that? I agree with you, except because he saved you, that should give you a motivation to live by his word, right? Wise or unwise to steal? Well, it's, it's not even wise or unwise. Is it right or wrong? Because it's, it's clearly in the Bible. But I would say even, even, even beyond that, wise or unwise to, to not learn while you have experience or the, the opportunity to learn. You know, wise or unwise to, to get through life stealing off of somebody so that when it's actually time for it to mean something when you're an adult, you don't actually know anything because you spent your whole high school and college career stealing from other people's papers and stuff like that and cheating. Like at what point, is it wise or unwise? That's, that's the conversation we're having, right? Not only what is the will of the Lord in Ephesians 5, but what's wise versus what's unwise. You see, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, which is where we're going to spend the majority of our time tonight, um, it's going to be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, that's, that's fine. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. Um, there's this passage that I just think is phenomenal. I think you could teach it every week, and we'd learn something new. Um, it's just packed full of wisdom, and there it goes doing it again. That is crazy. Um, okay, so we're going to go ahead and read it real quick. Um, it says, but I say walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's just as straightforward as that. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, so he's talking a little bit about walking by the spirit, not walking by the flesh. Let me just kind of clarify what that means. And we'll go to the next slide here in a second. Um, walking by the Spirit is something only a Christian can do, okay, because they have the Holy Spirit. Walking by the Spirit is like living and abiding and hanging out with and making your home with the Spirit, okay? And I know that sounds weird. It sounds odd. It's like you don't know how to frame it up in your life, but it would just be to say, listen to God's voice and obey it. But don't just do that once a week. Don't just go to church, listen to God's voice, and let that be it for a week. Could you only eat for a one, once in like an entire week and be physically nourished? Absolutely not. Like you'd be starving. Um, and so, but we do that sometimes with the word, acting like that's enough, right? And, and, and the spirit speaks through the word, but he also speaks through uh, what we're going through daily. And listen, there are a lot of Christians that walk by the flesh. And what I mean by that is this. They have the spirit in them, but they choose to walk by the flesh, even though they're not a slave to the flesh anymore. When God saved you, he put the Holy Spirit in you. You can be a slave to righteousness, which is a good thing. You hear the word slave and you have negative connotations. And I understand that with our, with our country's history, our world's history, our current history of slavery. But the thing is, is being a slave to righteousness is understanding this, that you are freed up to live by the Spirit. You are freed up in every situation to follow God and obey his commands. That is something that you could not do outside of the flesh or before you were a Christian. But Christians, the good news for you tonight is, is that you could walk by the Spirit. The ones in here who are, are like have a name tag that says, I'm a Christian, but they walk by the flesh, we call those carnal 
Christians. We call them carnal Christians because carnal speaks to, to flesh, okay? So they live by the, the flesh. They've got their ticket into heaven, and they're wanting to live how they want to live. And by the way, that is probably the most um, obnoxious lifestyle that I could think of. Because it's like you, you, um, you got just enough of God to get into heaven, but it's like you're stiff-arming him with the rest of your life, as if you could stiff-arm God. Right, and it's it's obnoxious. Why would you want to be um, calling yourself a Christian but not actually obeying it? And and we all know that none of us likes a what a hypocrite. It's tough, but we all are a hypocrite to a degree. So so hear me clearly. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not teaching this as if I have all this down. Here's what I am saying. Christians, in every moment of every day, you can walk by the Spirit. Let's go on to verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, okay? So we're going to talk about the works of the Spirit in a second, but these are the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, okay? Or which is just a way of saying you're an enemy or like you're, you, you, you're always against people. Uh, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, okay? So he's talking to a group of people he's already been pastoring. I'm warning you again that those who do such things will what? Not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Like if you're just reading, don't just gloss over that. That's a pretty big deal. So you can laugh it off if you want, but here, those, those words strike fear into me because as a Christian and especially as someone who's been called into ministry, I wonder sometimes if my life looks like that. Now, I'm not saying like, because some of that stuff is crazy, like drunken orgies. I'm just, that's, I'm just saying that's like not me. But fits of anger, right? Envy. How many of y'all have been jealous of somebody's car just this, this school year? Just You saw them driving, you're like, gum. Oh, the rest of y'all are pure, holy Christians. All right. How many of y'all have been um, angry at somebody? Not even like holy anger. Not even like, oh, I wish they would come back to church. You were just like, I want to punch them in their nose. Am I saying that's a good thing? I'm just saying. Right? The works of the flesh are evident. And then he lists a, a, a bunch of them. I warn you, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, now think back with me just a couple verses ago. The key word of this passage is walk, right? And I kind of define that saying, like, like live it, right? Or abide in it or, or, or hang out with God. Like, but if you walk in the flesh, it means that you, you, you're living that life. Let's go to verse 22 real quick. 22 to 26, wrap it up. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Did you just hear that? Those who belong to Christ Jesus might have. They're fixing to. <laughs> like you're thinking about after college, maybe. Maybe I'll crucify the flesh. No, no, no. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They put it on the cross, right? They killed it. They put it away. They said, we don't want to walk in that anymore. 
They crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Um, Austin, if you'll go back to that first slide real quick in Galatians, it just, let me just sum it up real quick. It says, walk by the Spirit. I'm sorry, Galatians, not Ephesians. Um, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, that is something that you're going to have to spend a lifetime working on, okay? So what I'm saying is, is very clearly this. I haven't mastered this thing. I'm not perfect. But I would say this. Ten years ago, I was, I was working on it. Um, now, now, as a 31-year-old, as a I've, I've grown in this. Not, again, not because I'm awesome. Who gives the wisdom? Who gives the wisdom? So, okay, so if you get this idea, let, let's, let's use an illustration real quick. Um, when you become a Christian, okay, and maybe you're a Christian here, maybe you're not, and, and, and whoever you are on that spectrum, this should be uh, really easy to understand. Um, because here's what I know about non-Christians. They're tired of, tired of Christians calling themselves Christians and not acting like it. And I would say that probably us Christians in here are tired of it too. Um, you're, you're especially tired of people that you're supposed to be able to trust not being trustworthy, right? All it takes is, is for you to watch the news and you'll see it. Someone that's supposed to be trustworthy abuse their trust. Or someone that says they're righteous or says they're, they're called up to a certain level all of a sudden is, is not so much. So if you walk by, the, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That word walk. It means a process, doesn't it? It means progressive. It means it's not just a one-time thing. It's not like the day you get saved, like that, like you walked and you, got, you, you finished your walk, right? You're, you're done. That's not it. Um, the day you got saved was, was kind of like your wedding day, right? It's kind of like your wedding day where you got married to Christ, right? And, and there's going to be lots of illustrations about that in Re Revelation as far as what happens when we see him again, a wedding feast and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is this. You began your relationship with Jesus when you got saved. At what point is a relationship healthy if you never hang out with that person, if you never walk with that person, if you don't live and spend time with that person? Let me just put, I, I brought a picture of, of one of our wedding photos, and it's kind of grainy on the screen, but that is Christy looking at me. That's Pastor Dave Watkins. We got married in Ohio, July 29th, 2006, and um, hot. She is so hot, so hot. Um, and the reason I picked a, a picture where you couldn't see my face, because here's what happens. Um, I didn't know quite what to expect when I saw her walking down the aisle, there's the doors, they kind of open up, and then the sunshine comes through, and, and there's this silhouette of this beautiful woman walking towards me, and then she comes into the light, and I can see her, and I started crying, but it wasn't like a, a weeping cry, it was like an ugly cry, it was like, <laughs> you know, it was, it was bad, it was really, I, all the pictures, it's like my face is deformed, splotchy red, and all this kind of stuff, I'm just that guy, I'm a crier, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, but on that day, aren't we tempted in today's society to get so excited about that day and care nothing about what happens after that? I don't mean the honeymoon. I mean, we care a little bit about the honeymoon too, but I'm saying like, do we need to talk about how y'all were made? 
I'm just saying, God made it. And he said, it is good. Let me, okay, serious. If I, and I still have my vows. In fact, I posted them on Instagram a couple years ago, if you want to creep on me. Um, I, uh, I still have my vows, and here's, here's why. It's because I don't want to just read something and, and then it not matter. You, you know what I mean? Like, in other words, in my Christian life, I don't want to confess obedience or, 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 or maybe the better word is loyalty, uh, surrender to Jesus Christ, and then forget that for the rest of my life. Does that make sense? Like, it would be like a wedding where you had your, your wedding, and then the rest of it is just like you, you ignore your spouse. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Here's why God um, does not like the picture of divorce is because he doesn't divorce us. Let me tell you how real that is. We, um, we are not perfect, and he understands that, and he knows that, and he loves us anyway. And, and I, I read sometimes um, of people that can't figure out how to love each other, and I'm thinking, I'm glad that God has this, this eternal love that, that reaches far beyond the love of humans. Because here's what I know. There's a lot of people that probably I've hurt their feelings and they aren't willing to forgive me. Like in my, I'm sure there's tons of them out there. And I don't know it, and I, I don't really want to know it. Um, I'd love to ask forgiveness, but, but in our human state, there's, there's people that you're going to hurt, and they're not ever going to forgive you. And maybe it's for something stupid. Maybe it's for something legitimate. But you know what? God has a perfect, eternal, uh, just a, a God-sized love, and he doesn't divorce us. And that's such a big deal. And some of you... You know how real that is because your family has been through that. You've experienced that, the pain of all of that. And here's what you need to understand. God's not running out on you. God's not, God's not trying to, uh, to, to make sure that you're perfect, but if you're not perfect, that he's running out. Okay, so we sang that early, uh, earlier. Your, your love doesn't run out on me, right? That is a doctrinal, biblical word that helps us remember how good God is. So if I, was to, if I was to read those vows that day and then, and then live the rest of my life as if they weren't important, what did those words mean in the first place? Okay, now, we understand marriage that way. Why do we not understand Christianity that way? Does that make sense to anybody in this room right now? Why do we not understand Christianity that way? When those words meant nothing on the... Now, I'm not saying that we didn't have emotions, and I'm not saying that maybe... But I'm saying this. When I stood up on uh, that, that altar and I said, till death do us part, I meant it, right? Um, and here's, here's, what, here's what matters. You guys may be saying, okay, they've been married. I, I've hung out with them at their house. I've seen them. Uh, they love each other and all that. Here's what you need to do. You don't need to say we have a good marriage until the day we die, and then you can say it. Because then that's the most important day. Because if you can say that he loved his wife like Christ loved the church until the day he died, that's a good marriage. Right? Because here's what I know. There's plenty of people that run out. Right? It matters in your Christian walk as you walk by the Spirit day in and day out. It's a day-by-day, 
and a minute-by-minute relationship with God. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's a day-by-day, minute-by-minute relationship with God. And I don't mean to say that to guilt you in to praying every minute of every day. Here's what I mean, is that God is available 24 hours a day. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. Psalm 121 is one of my favorite psalms. You need to write that down. He, he doesn't sleep. He holds you, right? He, he is your help, and he's available. There are at least eight hours a night that I am completely unavailable to my wife because I'm a heavy sleeper, right? <laughs> She's like, she could punch me in the face, and I would just turn over. One time, I actually elbowed her in the face accidentally in my sleep. And she went to work, and they were like, listen, do we need to call the government and tell them what's happening with your marriage? Is everything okay? He's like, no, he just elbowed me in my sleep. It's all right. That's a true story, yeah. She actually did. I think she kicked me. I don't think I woke up. If I did, I was like, what's wrong with you? I don't know, something about the, the blood leaking out of my eye. I don't know. It's a day-by-day and a minute-by-minute relationship with God. To repeat it, in another way, it's not so much about how you start. It's about how you finish. Walking with God. You can say that you become a Christian, and we all know that it matters most in the end. Okay, so, so we've all seen people become Christian. And this is not judgment session. This is just being real with ourselves and where we've, we understand that there have been times after maybe, if you're a Christian here, there have been times that you've been tempted to just like absolutely run from God. And maybe some of you are there right now, right? And here's what I would say. He's a loving father that wants to reconnect with you. He loves you. He's done more for you than you will ever know. You will, you will hopefully meet him in heaven one day if you're a Christian. You will hopefully meet him in heaven one day, and you will all of a sudden realize how good and glorious and beautiful he is. And all those times, I mean, in heaven, it'll be perfect. There won't be guilt or sorrow or tears or shame, but you'll realize how good he is. And if we just sat for just a moment, I mean, there are angels. We, we, we learn in Isaiah, there are angels Every moment of every day that sit around the throne, shielding their eyes because of the glory coming off of the throne uh, that God sits on. I mean, it's, it's God's glory. And they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and they don't stop. That's their eternity. And some of you have thought, I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but singing songs all day sounds kind of boring to me. Here's what, here's what you, you don't understand God. You don't understand how glorious he is or how good he is. And so my, my call to you tonight would be just to run back to him, right? Stop running to the things of this world that promise you nothing, right? They, they're calling out to you, as Proverbs would say, like, like, like a woman, and, and she, she is bitter as wormwood, Proverbs would say, which I know you don't know what wormwood is, but it's this bitter kind of... Um, um, just disgusting thing that, that would cause just to add. think of think of um, maybe biting into like an orange rind. You know that taste in your mouth where you're just like it's just bitter and gross. Um, that is is what happens when you run to the things of this world, expecting them to be sweet and to nourish you. Right? This is not the things of this world cannot nourish you, and they will not provide for you. 
They hold no promises for you, and God does. Um, we have a saying in my seventh grade small group. In my seventh grade small group, we have a saying, and it's don't go swimming. Okay? It's don't go swimming. And here's why it's don't go swimming. Uh, because we talked at Reality Weekend about temptation, the temptation that, that we all face. But we talked about how there's a, if you get into a relationship and maybe there's, maybe there's this girl and, and maybe she's got a hot tub and maybe her parents are out of town and she calls you and says, hey, let's go, let's go swimming. And I asked the guys, I said, is there anything wrong about getting in a hot tub? What's your answer? Is there anything wrong about getting in a hot tub? No, hot tubs are awesome, right? Now, wise or unwise, your girlfriend's over there wearing a, a, a swimsuit. We'll just call it that. Um, it's, not a, it's not really a swimsuit because it's not covering a whole lot, but her parents aren't there. Wise or unwise? Right? Or maybe it's not a hot tub. Maybe it's a swim. Maybe it's the middle of the day. But there's going to be some kind of flirting, and there's going to be, you know, some, some kind, you know. <laughs> okay, still in cooties mode over here. Got it. Um, wise or unwise. And so at the end of the lesson, what I said was, so what did we learn today? And one of my guys over here said, don't go swimming. <laughs> it was like with scripture, 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 don't go swimming, you know. And here's the thing. Wisdom has so much. As we wrap up this series, wisdom, um, wisdom has so much more about the situations you're, you place yourself in than just what happens when you get to the moment. Let me rephrase it this way. Wise choices don't have to be emergency choices. Does that make sense? You don't have to go to places where you know you'll be faced with temptation. You don't have to hang out with people that you know you're going to be tempted to do things with. Maybe that's a relationship. Maybe that's a friend group. You don't have to go participate in activities that you know that you're going to be tempted to do something that you know is either wrong or unwise. You don't have to do those things. And we started off this school year with a series called Weird. Right? You may remember that. What we said was that we're calling you guys to be weird. Why? Because normal isn't working. And here's what I'm okay with at this point. I'm okay with being weird. I'm okay with being laughed at because here's the things that are valuable to me are following God, loving my family, and, and, and doing the best job at being a youth pastor that I can. Like those are the things that are valuable to me. There are things that fall along the wayside all of a sudden, like having a bunch of cool toys, not important to me anymore, right? So I don't throw my money at those things. I throw my money at God, at my family, and the youth ministry, that's it, right? When you prioritize that way, it helps you to focus. It helps you to, to narrow what you're putting your life into. So, so maybe, um, you know, in like the don't go swimming example, um, maybe it's you don't, like, you don't wait until you get to the party and you're like teetering at the edge, like, do I take a sip or not? Or do I smoke that or not? Or I am in her bedroom and she's taking off her clothes, do I run away or not? Because let me just throw something out there. Let me just throw something out there. You're probably not going to run away. Can we just be real for a second? Just, just understanding what I know about 
teenage guys and teenage girls and all the conversations that I've had, if you wait until this moment to decide what you're going to do, you've already messed up. So here's what I'm going to say. You're in, you're in a, a safe environment to think about this right now, to define who you're going to be. And you don't define it right there. You define it way back here. And you say, before I have those opportunities, I'm going to go ahead and define it. That's why um, when I was standing up there at the altar looking at my wife, I could look at her and say, yeah, I'm a virgin. I never came close to having sex with anyone because I knew that this day would come and I wanted to give it to you. And she was able to say those same things to me. Now, here's why that's important. Because we walked in with no baggage. We walked in understanding that there was trust. And, and what I'm not saying is that people that have made that mistake already are broken and damaged. That's not what I'm saying because God can redeem it. But what I am saying is this, walking by the Spirit matters or else Paul wouldn't have said it and the Holy Spirit wouldn't have inspired it. Right? So everyone in here is accountable at some level to understanding what God is calling you to do. And maybe you're in this room and you're running from God as a Christian, and I would call you back to run to him, right? Repent, turn from what you're running to, and run away from it and run back to God. And some of you know that God loves you and you've been stiff-arming him your whole life, and it is time to stop running because he is good and he is glorious. He sent his son to die for you. He loves you, and he's calling you to stop running to all these things that have no promises in this life. No promises. When the God and our Father and the Son and the Spirit promise everything to us and love us, why would you not run to him? Why would you not surrender? He is worth your surrender. He is worth giving your life to. Why don't you just bow your heads for just one second? God, we want to we wanna just take a moment to respond to what your word says. Lord, we, we see the story in the Bible. Lord, we know that we go through situations. We know that you're calling us back, but some of us have been running from you, whether we're Christians. Maybe, maybe some of us have, have never set foot in a church before. Maybe some of us um, have no desire to be Christians. We're here because uh, a friend invited us. Wherever we are, God, Lord, I just pray that you would help us understand how good you are. And I pray that we would open our hearts to accept you and what you've done for us. Lord, you've done, you've done everything for us by sending your son to die for us. And Lord, all you ask is, is, is for us to walk in your love. Lord, to surrender our lives to you. Lord, to understand that you are the Lord and the King and the God of the universe. And Lord, some of us, we, we feel like maybe we, we have to do everything right in order to go to heaven. And we just, need to, we just need help understanding that you didn't ask for that, that you understand that we're not perfect, but Lord, that once you save us, that you put in that spirit in us that allows us to walk in your spirit. Lord, help us to understand how good you are. Lord, if there's people in this room that are feeling that tug right now, I pray that in just a couple moments, they would talk with someone who can help them make that decision to walk with you from here on out. Lord, we love you so much. It's in your name I pray. Amen.